Thanks, Pastor John. And also, our, our plan still is to do uh, softball league. It might be modified. Is there a sign-up sheet? Yes, there is. Pastor Chase has the sign-up sheet in the back. In the, I've heard that, um, that Vince got drafted off my team. Um, good riddance is what I say. Uh, no, Vince has been on my team since like the beginning of time. And so we finally figured we'd give you guys a little bit of more of a chance of winning. Uh, so he went to the youth team. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I know how to pitch the guys, so... I think we'll be fine. Um, but anyways, that's going to stop. So there's sign-up sheets in the back, and we'll put teams together. And then also I want to say thank you for joining us uh, online. And uh, it's, just a, it's been an interesting season, but we're glad that you guys are here. And I'm ready to get back to, you know, or forward to normal, whatever normal is. Um, it may never be normal again, but I hope not because I don't want to be normal. I want to be more passionate and live with Jesus than everybody because he's coming back, guys. I mean, it's, we're seeing things going on in this world that we live in an amazing time in history. Kids, I haven't forgot about you. Uh, you just need to understand that we live in the best country this world really has ever seen. Okay? And we live in the time that's closer to the rapture than we've ever seen. So we are in a blessed generation, amen? We are in a blessed country. Uh, we can get down, but boy, we could be in a place where some of you have fought for our freedom here that America is cake compared to other countries, amen? So those of you who have fought for our freedom, thank you for what you have did for us, and amen? Appreciate that. It's not even Veterans Day, but I always think of veteran because without you guys and gals, uh, we'd be in a whole lot worse place, amen? With that, kids... Thank you so much for being here. You guys are going to have fun today. That, I was wondering who the guy was in the back with a long beard. I was like, security? But I think it's, I think it's Moses. Um, Moses, I need you to come up here, bro. Wait, kids, kids, you got to see this. Adults have to see this so you don't call the police. Um, and you didn't got to get on camera. I was like looking in the back going, that guy's got really long hair, but I couldn't quite tell who it was. Um, so, yeah, I need you to get in the camera view, just so our online, there is Moses, the great leader. Amen. That's Louie. Louie, thank you for being you, man. You're welcome. Awesome. The pool cue, is that? That's my staff. Okay, it's your staff. All right. So making sure. <laughs> we talk about discipline today in Proverbs. Terry, we're going to do all that. Um, ladies, if you have a baby that needs to be changed, the nursery is unlocked. So it's sanitized. So you're, you are free to go in there. If your kid's crying, um, that is open. So you can do that. Um, if they're, you know, like eight or nine years old, take them out to the woodshed. Give them a good whooping. Because that's what happened to me when I was a kid in church. Anybody, anybody grow up in country church where you got your tail whooped? Oh, yeah, all kinds, all right? Uh, one of the funniest stories I remember from church growing up, because where I, I grew up in a little tiny town in Northern California, when I say Northern, I mean, we could see Oregon from the mountain that I lived on. Uh, but we had, you know, church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night in between. We had a woodshed. That's how we heated the church building was a, was a wood stove. And I remember the time that my older brother uh, got in trouble during church, and he was going to get a whooping. And so my dad took him out of the church building, and I remember as we're singing hymns, I'm just waiting, and, and there was a pause um, as we went into the message, there was a pause, and as the, the preacher paused, I heard the whack and the scream of my brother. That's the vivid memory of church. That's all I remember from church. Um, but it was a pow, ow! And so wouldn't it be cool to have a woodshed? And we got kind of a pole shed out there, but 
And if that offended you, there's probably other churches that are more kid-friendly. But I will be talking, <laughs> I will be visiting your kid um, just east of town in a couple years um, if you don't discipline. So let's get on with this before I get myself into trouble. Uh, I want to tell you something today. Uh, first, after saying thank you for being here, uh, don't worry about something God's in control of. I mean, don't worry about something that God's in control of. John chapter 21 is what will be. The title of today's message is The Worry and the Waiting. You, you ever had something you had to wait for and you worried? Like, you just was like, okay, this is going to happen. I, I used to get those with spankings. Like, I knew I'd get in trouble. Dad would be like, go to your room. And I was worried about it. I was like, I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get it. And that was almost worse than getting whooped. It's just the worry and the waiting. And you might be facing something in life right now that, that worry has you. Okay, you're, you're waiting, but, but you're worried about something. Um, I will tell you this, again, with everything that's going on, and I'm, if you're anything like me, you're kind of sick of, of the COVID thing. This first service, it was like the virus of which we will not name. Uh, but let me tell you something. I, I believe that, first of all, God has the whole thing in control that somehow it plays into his big plan. It just does. Uh, so I don't worry about it. Do I wash my hands? Absolutely. Okay, I don't want to give it to anybody. I don't want to get it. Uh, but I'm not worried about it because I, I see a big picture of, okay, God, you allow things to happen for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you, in your life right now, what God allows, he has a purpose for. I don't know what he's allowing into your life, but what he allows, he has a purpose for. And so, we, as a Christian, I think we need to look at this thing a little bit different. Uh, but we can, have, we can worry ourselves so much that we can get ulcers and we can get sick and headaches. And God doesn't want us to worry. So that is the title of this, is the worry and the waiting. Oftentimes, determination decides your destiny. Determination decides your destiny. I love hearing about people who are going through a hard time in life, and yet they say, I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to make it through this. I have a little bird at my house that is living this sermon. This little bird has built a nest in my gutter under the eave outside my bedroom. And we have a birdhouse, but it's being used currently by another pair. And, and so I, I take this thing, because the, when it rains, which it has been, um, it fills up my gutter, then it blocks the gutter, and the water runs out and splashes. And I'm like, I have these noises that I hear when I try to sleep. Is anybody else like, you can hear every little tiny thing? Nobody, who sleeps like a rock? Oh, wow, a lot more people sleep like a rock. If you sleep like a rock, you annoy us because you don't wake up at little tiny sounds, all right? Little tiny lights, little sounds, they get me. And so this bird builds this nest, and then it, when it rains, it, it fills up my gutter spout, and then I have to go out, and when it's raining, and clean it out. So I built this cage around it. I'm like, you're not going to get in there. Well, it got in. And it built a nest. So I thought, I'm going to build it even better. So I climbed up there and I built this thing, screwed it in. I have these mesh. And that little sucker, he figured out how to get under the gutter because he's trying to impress his woman. And a man will do a lot to impress his woman. So I went out there yesterday and there, it's full of stuff again. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And my son's like, well, it kind of deserves it with, you know, like it's tenacious. And I'm like, I'm not sure about that because now I have a decision. I got to go home as to whether or not I'm going to remove this guy's nest because he broke through my little barrier and I'm, I'm about as determined as he is. I haven't turned to a shotgun yet because um, I want to be all right. But, but I think Travis is like, dude, if he's gone through this much trouble to impress us when we probably should just let them nest. Uh, the problem is, is that it comes and poops on my hot tub cover. And so there's two things. If you're, if you're on the bird side, I'm going to call you when it rains at two in the morning and say, my gutter's overflowing. Please come and clean this stuff out. And, and will you please wash the hot tub cover off? Fair enough? 
And I'm not going to hear one complaint about what happened to the bird. Uh, so, anyway, but, but the reason I tell you the story is, is tenacious. Tenacious. This, me trying to block this bird, this bird going, you ain't blocking nothing, pal. I got a woman to impress. I got babies to, you know, this is all going to go down. And so it's like this battle between me and evil that chirps at five in the morning is before the sun comes up. In our life, we face a lot of things. Now, the bird in itself is just doing what God made it to do. There's a purpose, right? Why do things that are small sometimes annoy us so much? Why are we worried about some things that really God's in control of? And so I want to talk to you today uh, about Peter. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about Thomas. Um, last week, my wife preached. And did she do an amazing job? My wife did an awesome job last week, the Mother's Day. Um, Appreciate her so much. And I think there's a few cups left, ladies, if you didn't get one. Uh, do we have Pastor Chase's there ladies' cups left? If you, if you weren't here, he's shaking his head. No, maybe first service got him. Um, and then, anyhow, let's just keep going. So what we've been talking about is, is the 40 days that Jesus, after he came back from the dead, there was 40 days that he spent with his disciples before he was taken up into heaven. And we were talking about some of the events that take place after that. So in the next two weeks, we're going to cover uh, what Jesus is really all about, and that's restoration. He, he's about restoring relationships, restoring some things uh, that we broke. He's not done with his disciples, who I wrote down here, bailed out of the plane that was apparently crashing. Okay, they thought, this thing's over, we're jumping out, and he's you know, going to the cross, and they like leave him, and after they said, we'll die with you, we'll stick with you, and they didn't, and we've been talking about how, it, how God's heart was hurt when someone who promised to love him didn't. Our Wednesday nights, we've been talking about this. So some of you know what that feels like. Somebody that made you promises that, that like, they would be there for you and they bailed on you. And you're like, what's up with that? You know, you told me you would stay there and you bailed. Um, God knows what you feel. He knows what you feel to give everything and, and love and not be loved back. And so that's the heart of God today is to restore uh, this relationship. Now he's going to talk with Peter. So I asked myself the question, we see how Jesus deals with people who ran out on him. I wonder at times, is that my heart? Do, do I feed conflict or do I try to restore? And I hope in me, I try to resolve any uh, issues with people that are possible because life's too short to be mad at people for very long. It really is. It just eats you up. You know, somebody does something to you that really gets you. They don't usually lay in bed at night worried about it. You're the one that is. It's the one that affects. So we'll cover this in the next couple of weeks. So here's the setting. Uh, Jesus, again, has appeared to his disciples twice. Uh, he's dealing with Thomas, dealing with the doubt like Thomas, stick your fingers in my hole. If Stick your hand in my side. I'm back. I'm here. I know you're not believing it, but you need to know that I am back from the dead, Thomas. And Thomas, who's called what? Doubting Thomas, which is a bad thing. Why? Because he's labeled that for the rest of his life. When we get to heaven, I don't know if we'll be like, hey, that's Doubting Thomas. He's probably sick of it now, right? Because every dead Christian or Christian that goes to heaven is like, hey, are you Thomas? Are you the one that doubted? He's like, Jesus, can I have a new name? All right. He's there. And, and so what label do people put behind your name? We talked about that before, and our, our behavior often determines that. It doesn't mean the other people are right, but we do have a label when people think of us they, they think of something whether it's our faithfulness or they're there you know some people they just they'll do anything for anybody like they'll drop what they're doing to help you out we, we should kind of be like that as Christians to a point 
So, all right, let's get into the message. All right, Jesus appeared to the disciples twice so far, and he's dealing with their doubts. And now he targets uh, Peter after he dealt with Thomas. Uh, he, I call him discouraged Peter, okay? Because I'm going to look into the heart of what I think Peter's going through in his life right now. So I think he's a little bit discouraged. I mean, he's a very emotional and passionate guy. We look at Peter. He's always doing something crazy, um, you know, cutting ears off or jumping into this and telling, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. And then hours later, I don't know the guy. He, Peter is emotional. And I'm not going to, at first service, I actually asked um, who's married to one of those. And um, I have five marriage counseling sessions lined up as a result of my question because they answered. So let's read the story and then we'll go back and talk about some of the things. Um, I wouldn't again encourage you to take some notes because I really believe that God's going to speak to you today. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. So there's seven of them. I'm going to go fish, Peter said to them, and we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, because you ever ask a fisherman if they caught it? It's never, no, I never caught anything. It's usually, no. There's like a little attitude. And I think that's what they're like, no. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, I love this because John is actually writing this. And that's who Jesus loved. So instead of him saying me, he said the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. Again, Peter's always jumping at something. I have that written in my Bible. He's always jumping at something. He's just emotional. And he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals and fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore, but it was, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, he took the bread, and he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So what I want to do, again, is, is just point out some things in here that I believe God has shown us, some things maybe you've never heard before. And that's always my goal, is to preach something that you've never heard, not something weird, okay? Not something like off the Bible, but something that, that comes out of the Bible we've never seen before. And I believe that oftentimes we read the Bible so fast that we miss some things. And so I want to share some things with you that I felt God put on my heart today. So Peter now, where he's at emotionally, he believes Jesus rose from the dead, but I think he's still confused about his calling. I'll tell you why in a moment. Again, Peter had in mind what was going to happen with Jesus as king over the land. Again, this is just days after the resurrection. Okay, so Easter had happened. Jesus came back. He's talking to him, meeting with him uh, for the third time. And, and Peter, I think he's confused because he thought Jesus was going to be king over the land which he was, but not in the way that Peter thought. Peter was thinking, okay, hey, Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to set us free like all the prophets in the past have, and, 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 and this is how it's going to be. 
I'm going to sit with Jesus on the, he's going to be the throne. I'm going to be, this is, we're talking a physical kingdom, like in the temple, in, you know, and, and Peter's got in mind how it's all going to look. And then it doesn't look the way that Peter thought it was going to look. So now he's confused. And I think that's where Peter's emotional state is, is it didn't look the way I thought it was going to look. I, I thought I would be on a throne and, and now I'm in a boat. Now I'm just hanging out. I don't even know what to do with my life. And you might be there today. There are times in your life that things didn't look the way that you thought. If you've ever been married, I've never had a couple come into a counseling session and say, marriage is so much better and easier than we thought. This is amazing. <laughs> no, people come and talk to me because they're like, this isn't what I thought. He's not like what I thought. He's not what he said he was or acted like before the wedding. And, and he's like, she's nothing like the woman that I was dating. What's going on? They've changed. I said, no, they haven't changed. They are who they are. They were just masking some things. Awful quiet in this place, right? Because we all put the best foot forward most of the time. But I've never had a couple come in and go, man, marriage is easier than we thought. This is awesome. No, they're like, this is a little more difficult. So when things don't go the way you thought, okay, your job, your marriage, your family, you thought, hey, let's have a bunch of kids, right? And then you have one. And then you're questioning, should we have another one? Because I'm tired. The sleep thing, and we don't get to see each other anymore. And then, and Lord bless those who have twins. I can't even imagine. Okay, we had three, and they were within like five years. I can't even, I mean, two you can manage, but three is hard. It's like you try to get to church on time. Some of I see y'all coming in and you're dragging kids. I'm like, oh, I, I feel you. Because if I was a pastor who didn't have any kids, I'd be like, why are you late? Just start earlier. Like we started at six. <laughs> I get it. Family rarely looks the way you think it's going to look. The question is, is what are you going to do with it when, when it doesn't turn out the way that you thought? See, Peter is still puzzled at what God wants for his life. I really believe that. So don't be so determined that you know what it's going to look like that you actually miss what is. Because Peter almost missed something better than what he thought. He was thinking kingdom, physical kingdom, but Jesus came to set the whole world free, not just the Israelites free. So what Jesus actually did was better than what Peter thought. But I believe, right, right, I see him in this state of limbo. And you might be here today. You might be in the same place. You want what God has for you, but you're not sure what that is. So my advice to you is this. Get up in the morning and determine to make the best of the day. Just get up and say, God, I'm not sure what it is that you want for me, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to obey you and I'm going to do what you ask me to do. If you do the right things, eventually the right things start to happen. I really believe that. Sowing and reaping, you're planting and harvesting Jesus made it clear that life is all about sowing and reaping, planting and picking. And I'm not sure that Peter saw beyond the moment of his circumstances. What now seemed to be the question of the day? And that might be right where you're at today. What now? I, I thought this was going to be this way. What now? Because it didn't turn out the way that I thought. And, and what does God want for me? The most important thing you can do is just simply be obedient when you don't know what it is that God wants you to do. See, we understand from gardening that there's a process in this whole thing. And I wrote here, good things grow slow. Bad things don't. Why does it take hours to clean a house or clean a car and only moments to wreck it? I had this false idea when I was 
when I got married, that we would have children in my pickup because I kept my pickup spotless, that the children would never be allowed to eat or drink in my truck. <laughs> yeah, you're all laughing because y'all been there. Yeah. You're like the kids screaming in the back seat. You kind of, and Chris is like, here, give him milk. No, no milk, especially no milk in my truck. Like, no, this ain't happening. And pretty soon the kid's sucking down the bottle and throwing french fries under the seat. I think a minivan is just a gigantic french fry garbage can. If you got a minivan, you have french fries in the bottle, I guarantee you. And if you're anything like me, you can smell the fry. Anybody, you get in the car, you're like, somebody's been to McDonald's. It's like you find it stuffed under the seat. I'm like, the bag does not go under the seat. The bag goes in the garbage can. And the French fry, and I will stop the car and I will search until I can find that stupid little piece of grease, right? And, and those, somebody, you can feel me right now, right? And, and now, after having three children, you're like, yeah, whatever, suck it down, just shut up. All right, let me drive. It's like, who cares? We'll vacuum it out. Because you're either going to ruin the family or you're going to have a clean vehicle. I don't think you can have both. I don't think you can have both. Like you have a designated vehicle. That is the vehicle that the kids drive in. If you didn't notice, my wife and I take separate vehicles to church most of the time. Not Wednesdays, but most of the time. Why? Because we used to get in fights on the way. Well, it's always fun to preach when you're mad at your wife. Hellfire and brimstone, baby. You're like, man, you preach good today. Oh, yeah, I was angry, right? Bad. It's not a good thing to do. Usually God's like, hey, you're messing with my daughter. You're going to have nothing to say, boy. Like, you're going to struggle the whole way. All right. Let's get back on track. Bad things... Don't seem to grow slow. Why is it that a goat head can grow on asphalt in 105 degree weather without water? That's not right. <laughs> but my poor tomato plant gets one little night of frost. And it's like, ah. I'm just like, come on. Like I'm on my third planting of the garden, right? Because spring fooled us this year. And, and so I planted and, and then one little frost because the weather guy was like, oh, it's going to be 47 overnight. And it was like 32. How is it that a weather guy can be wrong half the time and still keep his job? Amen. Can you imagine if I was wrong half the time? <laughs> I'd be gonzos. If you're like, Pastor, you're missing it 50% of the time. I can imagine getting to heaven. God goes, where's your congregation? I don't know. I guess they believe me. <laughs> All right? No, you, you need to stick with the word of God. Okay, stick with the word of God. But what is it with weather people anyway? I don't know. They make a lot of money for telling you false information. Um, anyway, let's move on because I could go somewhere with that. Uh, let's just stay out of politics. I am online now, so I have to be very careful. First service, I could say whatever I want. And I did this first service. But I ain't saying some of the stuff I said first service. And Pastor Chase is probably like, thank you, Jesus, because I might have got myself in trouble. But weeds seem to be the only thing that, that don't need tending to grow well. I don't even know if that's correct English, but it sounds good. Right? Weeds don't need tending. They just grow by themselves. They don't, need, they don't need tending. They just grow. Why is it that the good things need tending to grow? I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. I'm going to have a little talk with Adam when I get to heaven about that. I'm going to be like, dude, goat heads. I just got one word, goat heads. Is that one word? That's one word. Goat heads. We'll put them together. We'll make it one word. Adam, do you know that? I'm going to take some to heaven. Adam, you know what you do? I'm going to poke him. <laughs> Although Adam's probably like, 
six foot ten and really big. I probably ain't doing nothing. I'm like, what's up, Adam? So if you'd like to garden too, yeah, I did too, man. So, so thanks for getting kicked out of the garden so I could garden and have my plants die when I plant them. Thank you for that, Adam. Thanks for those goat heads too, bro, man. Bicycle tire tubes in business, you know. You just, you just kept the the hardware store hopping with bicycle fix-it repair flat and the green slime they invented. Your fault, Adam. It's like Adam's fault. Green slime? I want you to think about it. Next time you see green slime, think of Adam. Just stinking Adam. I, I think that when I go out there. Let's, let's keep going here, but we're having fun. Adam's fault. I'm going to teach more today than preach. Here's what Jesus told him. Mark 16, Jesus said he would meet them. He said, go to the Sea of Galilee, I'll meet you there. They wait for him. The Bible doesn't say how long. Seven disciples go. They go, but Jesus never gave a time of arrival. And that's kind of an interesting thing. He said, you know, go ahead. I'll meet you in Galilee. So they went. The Bible doesn't say how long they waited. It doesn't say if it was a day. It doesn't say if it was an hour. It doesn't say if it was a week. All we know is they went and Jesus never showed up for a while. So Peter has this idea. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to go back to what's familiar. I'm going to go back to fishing. So Peter gets his net, and I don't have a net, I got a pole. So he, he goes back to what he knows. He just goes back, he says, I'm gonna go fishing. And the guy's all like, yeah, we'll go with you, okay? So Peter's fishing, again, if you're literal like me, you're like, but that's not a net, I understand. It's the, it's the, it's the symbol of the net, it's the way we fish, all right? So Peter goes back to what's familiar. And I had two thoughts here. At least Peter is doing something while he's waiting for Jesus to show up. Okay, we, did, we know what Peter did. I want you to get into my line of thinking. We know what Peter did. He went fishing. But what we don't know is why. We, we don't know his motive here. And there's only two things that I, that I could think of as to why he went back to fishing. Uh, see, we don't usually know what people's motives are. But we're sure good at guessing. Most marriages, guys, most of the problems that you have, you are guessing motive. You are one, you're, you're guessing why they said what they said or why they did what they did. When you're raising kids, you, you, you think you know what the motive is, but most of the time in our marriage counseling situations, it's usually misunderstandings. Usually it's something that's said, but it wasn't intended to sound that way or be that way. And when we can try to get into the heart of the other person, instead of just, just saying, well, I know what your motive is. Your motive is to you know, demean me or to be whatever. Most of the time, that's not the motive. See, motive is huge, but we don't know what Peter's motive is, and the Bible doesn't tell us what Peter's motive is. So I have two views that I want to share with you uh, of what it could have been. View number one, Peter did what Jesus asked. He went and he waited, but he wasn't lazy. And he's like, hey, I may as well be productive while I'm waiting. Jesus hadn't showed up yet, so I'm going to go fishing. Something I know how to do, something that I love to do, and, and I love this view. So if you don't know, listen to me, if you don't know what career field you want, Make some money in the meantime. Make a difference in the meantime. Learn how to do things. Build a savings account. You're going to need it, okay? Just do something. Go fishing, okay? Do something productive. Look for ways to serve other people. I've always told my kids that the more you know, the more you're worth. When you know how to do a lot of different things, it, has, it gives you options. If you only know how to do one thing and that, that line of business goes out, you're kind of in trouble, Okay, so how I grew up, mechanicking, painting houses, building stuff, there's a lot of things that I know how to do that if, you know, if ministry doesn't work out, I'll just go do something else. Um, now, it's been almost 30 years, and it's, it's been good to me so far, and I love it. I can't imagine not doing it because I enjoy it. All right, but there's a lot of things that I know how to do. I'm pretty good at spraying weeds. 
because I got property. And if you have property, you're always spraying weeds. And oftentimes I think about you who don't own property, your home, drinking Coke, watching a football game, and I'm out spraying weeds. And I'm like, if I didn't have property, I'd be home drinking a Coke, watching football too. Only not now, because COVID kind of took away baseball and football and all the sports I love. I still think that the Houston Astros are the reason that COVID exists. It's my theory, because nobody's thinking about them cheating anymore, all right? The next season starts, their whole cheating scandal is gone, but that's just my theory, which is completely wrong, I think. I don't know what to do. This is what some people say. I don't know what to do. Didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. That is not the way to live life. Or I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. That's not the way to live. You know about the parable of the talents? Wayne Thompson and I were talking in between services, and he mentioned it. I was like, man, that's actually in my notes. Parable of the talents, when the, the, guy, the guy gave one guy 10 talents, the next guy five talents, the next guy one talent. They went out and put their talents to work. Well, the guy with the one talent, which is like a weight of gold, he just went and hit it. And his master gets back, and, and the guy with 10 talents, or I'm messing up the numbers. Anyways, the guy with five earned 10, the guy with two earned four, what, how, whatever numbers are. I'm totally odd. What, what is the numbers? Now I want to know because I'm, he gave one, five? Ten, five, and one. Okay. I was right the first time. Well, it's the first time I was right today. I was right to get rid of that bird, um, but that's later. I hope you're having fun because I am because I think being a Christian is fun. If you're too serious, there's other churches that probably don't have fun and they don't smile. They'll get to heaven and they'll go, wow, this is nice. Oh, we're Pentecostal, we have a good time. All right, so he, he, gives, he gives the talents, but the guy that he gave the least amount didn't do nothing with it. And he's the one that got in trouble because he just like, well, I didn't know what to do, so I just hid it. That's not what God wants you to do. God wants you to at least try. He wants you to do something. So you might be in limbo right now. You might be in waiting going, I don't know what God has for my life. I believe that you just should just do something. Do something productive. Now, view number two. Peter may have thought... Serving Jesus just didn't turn out the way I thought, so I'm going to go back to what's familiar. And this is what most people do when they can't figure out, they give their heart to Christ, and God's good to them, and, and, and things are great, but then God starts weaning them off, like, okay, you need to, you need to figure this out, you know, I'll be with you, but it's time for you to walk on your own. People kind of give up, and most of the time they just go back to what's familiar. It's back to what they know, even if what they knew was bad, even if what they knew really wasn't working to begin with. Somehow, humans have this tendency to do this. The Israelites did this. Moses led them out of Egypt where they were slaves and mistreated. And once they got free and, and they wandered and things weren't like they thought, they wanted to go back into Egypt. You read the story, you're like, you want to go back? They were killing your children. They were torturing you. They were doing terrible things to you. And you want to go back to that? Well, at least we had garlic. It's in the Bible. It's a true story. We had garlic and leeks. Whatever a leek is, it must be good. Um, and, and, they, and, and they were thinking about the good things, but they forgot about the slavery. And guys, you might be tempted today in your walk with God, whether you're here or online, that, that you're like, I just, I'm trying this Jesus thing. I just don't know that it's working. And you were tempted to go back to what God delivered you out of. And I'm here to tell you, don't do it. It is not good. It will not end well for you when you go back to what God delivered you out of. Don't have that mentality. Don't believe that lie that the, the, the devil goes, oh, it wasn't that bad. You ever, you ever know somebody who on Monday, they're hungover because they had a weekend of partying, and they're like, I'm never doing that again. And by Friday, they're like, yeah, weekend. 
If you ever work, I worked in construction. I knew. I worked in logging. I knew. I, I, I have worked with those people going, dude, do you remember Monday? You were blood. No, they don't remember Monday, actually. Because, uh, yeah. And, and they were bloodshot, and you didn't work, and you were sick, and you were all, all this stuff. And then by Friday, you're ready to do it again? That's like going back to Egypt. That's like going back to what God delivered you out of. Don't go back to that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Don't, don't, wanna go, don't go back to what God delivered you out of. See, here's what I believe. If you don't fill the rut God got you out of with him and his purpose, there's a good chance that you'll go back to it. You got to fill that void up. When God forgives you, you got to fill it up with him or you will go back to what's familiar. And I, I told you a few weeks ago that familiar can be fatal. Familiar. You get too familiar with guns. You get too familiar with electricity. You get too familiar with equipment, chainsaws, anything that's dangerous. If you get too familiar with it, it will eventually come back and get you. See, there's a healthy fear that you need to have. Again, God did not deliver you out of this stuff with the intention of you going back to it. That can be abusive relationships. It can be drugs. It can be alcohol. It can be pornography. It can be spending or overspending. The list goes on. That's why this series is so important for you. Why? Because mindset is so important. Your determination mentally will reveal itself physically. And where do we get this idea that life's supposed to be easy anyway? Okay, I want to go back now, switching gears a tiny bit, to verse 4. When Jesus, uh, he was there, but they didn't realize it. Let's read it. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And I wonder how often this happens in our lives, that Jesus is in it, but we don't see it. With what's going on in our world right now, guys, Jesus is in this, Okay. And like I, like I told you, I don't know if I, I told first service, this is what God allows, he has a purpose for. He allows it. There's a purpose for it. We have to believe that. And that God, you know what's going on. You have, a, you have complete control over this world that you created. How often is Jesus in something, but we don't see it? If you're anything like me, you usually see it after the fact. It's like, oh, God did have a plan. You, ever, you heard the song? I'm not sure who sings it. That sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Is that Garth Brooks? Hey, look, I am a heathen. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. I love the song because it's true, right? You can thank God for unanswered prayers. God, I just want to marry this woman. God's like, no, you don't want to marry that woman. Some of y'all married that woman. You're like, God, why did I marry that woman? Because you wanted to. I told you not to, but you did. Ladies, some of you married the guy that God's like, yeah, yeah that's probably not a good idea. And you're like, no, it is. I got a lot of amens on that one. Um, and, and, and maybe you did, and you're like, whoa, this didn't turn out the way. I'm going to tell you, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're not married, don't be in a hurry to get married. Don't be in a hurry because you can make an emotional choice. Some, I have a lot of yeps and amens in that whole section. Um, Wednesday night, actually, we're talking a little more about that in Malachi. But the thing is, guys, there's a lot of amens is because it's true. God cares. Now, can God take a mess and make a miracle of it? Absolutely. But if you're not married, my, my, my heart to you right now is don't go out looking for a spouse. You pray about it and you pray for them and say, God, when it's your time, I'll be open to it. I'll be open to it. Okay? That's how it, it turned out in my life because I, most of you know, I, I've, my wife and I went to college together, but I was, I was like not dating. And then I got engaged to a gal uh, after knowing her for two months, and I had a pastor who gave me the encouragement to, to ask her to marry me, which 
The guy's my friend, but it was terrible advice um, because I didn't know her. And then things started happening. And I'm like, she was away at college. I'm like, uh, this is going, this is not going in a good direction. And fortunately, I started thinking about my wife, which is a really, it's a really interesting thing when you're engaged and you're thinking about another woman. I don't encourage that. But in my life, this was God. And I was like, hey, God, what are you doing? And God's like, I'm saving your tails, what I'm doing. Uh, and gave me a beautiful woman, okay? So don't be in a hurry to make those decisions, especially when the rest of your life can be in the balance. And so back to this, Jesus is in it, but sometimes we don't see it maybe until later. And Jesus says in verse five, and how the wording is, is interesting. He goes, friends, haven't you caught any fish? Now, there's a little smile on Jesus' face. What's he really saying is, yeah, I caught nothing, huh? And they're like, no. And then Jesus tells them something really strange. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so they're fishing. Not with a pole, with a net. They're fishing. What side of the boat they're fishing? Okay, they were were fishing on the left. And what did Jesus say to to do what? To go to the right. So we see that politics was introduced in in this situation. There's the left and then there's the right. And, And... and on the left, okay, they were striking out. They were like, we're not catching anything. And, <laughs> and Matt said that. I agree with you, Matt. Um, but I have a microphone. And, uh, and so they were fishing. Would you consider them fishing on the left side, the right side, the correct side of the boat? Okay, you said it. Um, they, were, they weren't catching nothing, right? And I don't know if they were expecting the fish to jump into the boat from the left side. But what I know is that when Jesus said this, he said, have you caught anything? They said, no. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, Peter is a fisherman. He knows fish. This guy grew up fishing and he's like, this guy on the shore, because they're not, they don't know who it is yet. They're like, that guy has no clue. I mean, we are talking seven feet and the boat is drifting and they've been fishing on the left side all night catching nothing. And he's like, he wants us to throw the net just like right there. We've been fishing right here. Weird story. And somehow, here's how much Jesus is in control. I absolutely 100% believe that Jesus did not allow them to catch fish on the left side because he wanted to do a miracle. Okay, I want you to see this. There may be times in your life that God is allowing nothing to happen because he wants you to change directions. You might be striking out. You might be not catching and going, I'm, doing, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm using the same bait. I'm doing this. And, and, and Jesus is like, well, I got something better for you. And he said, friends, throw some on the right, throw your net over on the right side of the boat. And, and they're like, whatever, right? And they throw it and what happens? Immediately, they catch 153 large fish. They end up saying, it's big. That does not make any sense to me. That you could fish here, catch nothing all night. And then you just change the side of the boat and you're full of fish. The whole point is that Jesus is in control even of the fish and the fish's location. Some of y'all ain't good fishermen, but you've got a relationship with Jesus as he just lets you catch them, right? You ever prayed for that? Like, God, just help me catch a big one and boom. Or my kid, like, have you ever prayed that? Like, God, just let my kid catch a fish. I've had that happen where, you're, where, where Travis and I fish. God, just let him catch a fish and all of a sudden, boom. I, I think God plays a part in that. Jesus is playing uh, the part of, of God and friend in one thing. You got any fish? No. Well, throw yourself on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to bring him in. Here's what I want to say, and I'll say it again. It doesn't make sense 
because it's only a few feet difference, but the, the, the feet isn't the point. The point is, is are you going to obey even if it doesn't make sense to you? And that's where you need to be in your life today. It may not make sense to you. There might be some things that you're like, I have no idea. I'm like, Peter, I'm in limbo. I have no clue. Does it make sense or not? It doesn't matter if it makes sense. What you've got to learn to, is to obey. So obey even when it doesn't make sense. And this is where people get hung up. Because now you're moving from the area of facts, listen to me, to the area of faith or the arena of faith. Okay. The, the area of fact was there's no fish. There's no fish. The arena of faith is the right side of the boat. And, and they had to change their mindset to say, there's no fish here. There's no fish here. There is no fish in this lake. Because that's what a good fisherman will say when he doesn't catch anything is there's just no fish. The fish weren't biting. Well, how about you're not a very good fisherman? We don't like to hear that, right? Well, the fish weren't biting. Well, that could be true. In this case, there was an area that was empty, but the arena was the one where faith took place. And, and, and life is like an arena. What happens in arenas? Battle, right? Battle happens in arenas. And so I, that's why I say it. The area of fact, there's no fish. To the arena of faith is, well, we don't think there's any fish, but we'll do what you ask. And when they did, what happened? God always responds to faith. He always responds to that arena of faith. Why? Because life can be a battle for us most of the time. So are you going to obey even when it doesn't make sense? And because they obeyed, they caught a huge number of fish. It's important to understand that though there was a miracle, the disciples were still required to do their part. It's important for you to know that. that, that could Jesus have made 153 fish jump into the boat? Absolutely. Okay, but that wasn't the case. He still made them do something. He provided the fish, but he, he, he said, I'm going to give you a, a reason to test me and to, to try me and to throw that note over. I'm going to give you a chance to obey me. The question is, is, will you obey? Had they not obeyed, would they have caught fish? No. Then it came home empty-handed, but because they obeyed, they caught the fish. So you have to understand that the disciples were required to do their part, as you are. And in verse 10, when Jesus is cooking some fish, but apparently not enough for everyone to fill up, because what he said, what he said, he said, do what? Bring some of the fish you have caught. And like I said, when you read the Bible too fast, you miss some of these things. Jesus is there, they get to shore, and, and he's cooking some fish, and then he says, bring some of the fish you caught, because we need to cook some more. God doesn't do everything for you. If God gave you everything, you would end up like the Israelites and you'd whine and complain and murmur. I say you, I say we. If God gave us everything, God requires us to do our part. He says, bring some of the fish you caught. Okay? In other words, you made some effort. Let's cook those up too. I'm not going to do everything for you. So with this, effort is required on your part to see God's plan and purpose come to pass in your life. So back to our title as we, we close up here and the worry and the waiting we all struggle with this with one, at one level or another. The key is to not be consumed by it. Guys, worry is going to happen. That's an emotion. You will feel worry, right? I mean, you will feel it because it's an emotional thing. The whole important thing is to not be consumed by it. I would encourage you to stay off the news and social media as much as you can because if it's feeding your fear instead of your faith, it is not going to build your walk with God. You will walk around just afraid. And the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of what? Of fear. I'm not saying don't be smart, but we don't have to be afraid of things that God is in control of. Again, be smart, wash your hands, we'll do the best we can, but we don't have to be consumed by that. And what I have figured is it, it, watching the news doesn't change anything for the better. It just gives you an ulcer. 
right? I mean, it just gives you, it just gives you an ulcer. And so let me ask you a question. Because the Bible says to set your mind on things above. Because God had a plan for Peter's life and it didn't die when Jesus did. It's actually where it began a new phase. And let me ask you a question as far as reading the Bible. If you spend three minutes reading the Bible, would that be a good thing every day? Like you have you spend three minutes? If you spend three minutes in the Bible, but you spend an hour on social media or watching the news, which one are you going to think about most during the day? Right? The news, right? You can think about that stuff because it feeds your fear. So you're either feeding your fear or you're feeding your faith. I would say spend more time in the Word of God. Spend more time reading the stories where God did come through, which is all of them. That God did have control. Even when chaos seemed to reign, God was in control the whole time. You ever rode with somebody who drove crazy, like on snow? But they were in control, but it felt like they were out of control, but they know how to drive in snow, so they're sliding. You ever been with somebody like that? It's scary to be in the passenger seat, right? But, but the person knows, they know the feel, they know what's happening, okay? And sometimes it feels like that in our walk with God. is like God's driving on ice, and we're like, ah! And God's like, I got this. Quit freaking out. Can I still put my seatbelt on, please? Okay? Yeah. Wear it. God has got control. Where are you at today? Where are you at today? Don't be discouraged about what's going on in your life. And I know you can say, well, it's easy for you to say, Pastor. No, I'm telling you, don't be discouraged. Don't let this discouragement consume you. Are you going to feel it? Sure. Of course you are. What does discourage mean? Discourage. Think about the two words. Discourage, it means to take courage away. Discouragement oftentimes is an emotion. And I think that's where Peter was at. And that's why my whole message today was more of a teaching on where Peter was at emotionally. That he, he thought, it's over. It didn't happen the way I thought, so I'm just going to go back to fishing. I'm just going to go fish. I don't know what else to do. But Jesus said, if you know the story, that, that Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to use you, Peter, to see thousands of people come to know me. And Peter's discouragement and his, what he thought was a loss was actually a huge win. And what I love about Peter is his passion Next week, we're, he're going to get offended. <laughs> we're gonna t- he, Jesus hurts his feelings. It's actually kind of a funny story. We're going to finish up, John. And, um, and, and Peter gets his feelings hurt. And Jesus is having this little talk with him. But I don't want you to be consumed by you can't, what you can't control today. So we're either going to trust God or we're not. Know that you'll, emotions, your emotions will deceive you. Okay, you'll have emotions that be like, ah. You just have to say, okay, this is emotion talking. I'll get back, I'll get grounded. Peter was an emotional guy. And I think that's why Jesus tells us the stories about these individuals because you don't hear much about the other disciples. You know why? My personal opinion is the other disciples were pretty steady. They weren't up and down, but Peter's the one that he talks about because Peter's like, ah, I love Jesus. Ah, life is, ah, I love it. He's just all over the place. And Jesus said, I can use you, Peter. I'm just going to channel your passion and channel your passion. I'm going to help you out. We're going to either trust God or we're not. Are you going to feed your faith or feed your fear? I mean, did you learn anything today? Because I'm, I'm ready to let you go. Um, you learned about my bird. You learned about things I probably shouldn't say from the pulpit, but that's just me. Yeah. I really believe that God has something for us in this next season. I really do. That's We've reached... Uh, again, so many more people, I'm going to tell you, through the, the isolation, seven weeks without physical church, uh, we have people that are tuning in online, people, people from, like, it was a Hong Kong, I think, somebody was watching from Hong Kong. Uh, how cool is that? 
you know, that we're reaching out and, and you guys are making that happen. So thank you. Last question I have for you is where are you at with Jesus today? The most important decision you can make is to give their life to Christ. It is, it is literally heaven and hell. That's how, that's how serious your walk with God is, amen? And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to know the word of God says that he is the only way. He's the only way to heaven. How, how, do, I, how do I know that? Well, I have to believe what the Bible says. And I'm not gonna take a chance on anything else. I'm gonna believe the word of God. And I know what he did in my heart and I feel him in my life every day. And there's so many people in here that didn't live for God and gave their hearts to God and you feel totally different. So where is your walk with Jesus today? You need to be right with him. And so I'm gonna ask if you would just bow your heads with me. This is a private time between really me, you and God. I wanna pray with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus today, you have to know this. You have to have him in your heart to go to heaven. You have to. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. You have to accept Jesus as your savior. And if you've never done this, it's the best decision you'll ever make. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a religion. You're actually just getting forgiven by the God who loves you more than you can imagine. And if you need to give your life to Jesus today, I'm gonna ask you just discreetly, if you would just lift your hand up where I can see it. You can just put it up and put it down. But is there anybody that needs to give their life to Christ today? It is the most important decision that you will make. Like I said, eternity hangs in the balance. I want you to be right with God when you walk out of this place. Okay, all right, I don't see any hands. And if you're too scared to, to raise it, it's a simple prayer. It's just acknowledging, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Some, something along those lines. And Jesus will come in and he'll forgive you and he'll set you on the right path. Amen. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? All right. Amen. Love you. Amen. Good. Pastor John's going to...